Are you standing in the center of your power? If not, sister, this is the show for you. Each episode will give you divine, feminine soul food that will help you ignite your brightest mystical self and shine. Hello, I am Sanaa Green, your host for In the Center of Her Power podcast. I often don't know what to call myself, how to label myself. I guess the real truth is that I am part of the fifth dimension ascension team. My purpose is to help reestablish the divine feminine in the world, which is why I started this show, so that we would know what the divine feminine looks like and have examples of women who are expressing the divine feminine in various ways. I am a teacher of belly dance for earth and soul, eco-psychologist, environmental educator, activist, and sound healer. Thank you so much for joining me. On today's show, we're going to be talking about a topic that I have been avoiding for many years. Sex. Sex. Sex is such a complicated topic for me because I've always wanted to experience sacred connection, yet I've found it very difficult to create that kind of connection in the society that I was raised in, where women were objectified, and everyone, men and women, or women and women, everyone who was having sex, I think, was often looking to get something, not necessarily to have a union. What we'll be talking about today is union through Tantra. This show for me really helped to establish that it's so necessary to have an expanded discussion on sexuality, especially sacred sexuality. So look forward to seeing additional shows on sexuality and sacred sexuality. I really would like for us to explore the divine feminine as well as the divine masculine. Because now, especially as healing energies have started to come into the world over the last year, it's really important for us to experience the divine in the masculine and the divine in the feminine. Sexuality is so important for our lives and not just physically, it, it, all, it definitely does wonderful things for us physically, if you can have good sex <laughs> with yourself or someone else, it also helps us to activate our first chakra, our root chakra, which connects us to the earth, our ancestors, making our way in the world. It's so important to make sure that the energy, the root chakra energy, the red energy is flowing and moving actively in our lives. Sexuality and sex also directly impacts our sacral chakra, the second chakra, which is where our emotions are stored and hopefully felt. For me, I'm realizing that as an empath, I often didn't feel my emotions because I 
didn't trust them. I didn't didn't trust the intuition because of the experiences that I was having with with people in the world. So that's a whole nother show, <laughs> being an empath. The sacral chakra is important because that's where we create. That's where we can birth our dreams, our hopes, where women incubate children, where all of us are able to know what it is we feel, which is so very important for us to know what we feel, even if we don't act on it. That's one of the things I'm realizing. Acknowledging your your feelings is so very important. So on today's show, we're going to have a special guest. Her name is Prandara Prem. Her name also is Renee Adolphe, a.k.a. also known as Prandara Prem. That's her Sanskrit name, and she'll tell you more about that in the episode. She is an international tantric holistic therapist, a relationship and sexuality coach, ordained interfaith minister, rebirther, and psychotherapist. For more than 23 years, Renee has been serving as a healer. Through her own journey to experience sexual healing, wholeness, and expanded pleasure, she has come to realize there is much more to sex and pleasure than our culture has led us to believe. Like many Americans, Renee grew up in a Christian child in a Christian household where sex was shrouded in guilt and often left her feeling empty and conflicted. After finding Tantra, she was liberated by self-love and was able to release shame and guilt. Renee has studied a broad range of healing modalities, including counseling psychotherapy or transpersonal therapy, shamanic medicine, several types of Reiki, and several lineages of Tantra. She'll tell you more about that in the episode. She's also studied ear acupuncture, iridology, past life regression, and more. She has appeared on Lifetime Network's Married at First Sight. That's one of my favorite shows, so I had to point that out. And she has also appeared on Howard University Radio, WHUR 96.3. Howard is my alma mater, so I had to shout that out. She's also had multiple national appearances. I am so very honored to have Renee Adolfi on this episode of In the Center of Her Power podcast. I am here with Renee Adolfe. Is it Adolfe? Adolfi? Adolfi. Renee Adolfi, who is also known as Prandara Prem. Can you tell us a little bit about your name? How did you, first of all, you have two really unique names. <laughs> Can you tell me a little bit about your name as Renee and how you came to, to take on the name um, Pradara? Is that the yes. right okay. That's correct. Great, great. Yes. So, you know, it's, it's so interesting because I go back and forth between both of my names because Renee means reborn. And a lot of my work, I do a lot of work with re- rebirthing, you know, helping people to be reborn. And, and so my parents are Haitian. So it, it is a French name, Renee Marie Adolphe. It is a French name, um, which again means to be reborn. And um, I come from a Christian family. So the Marie 
is like after the Virgin Mary, right? Um, but I received my tantric name, Prandara Prim, is my tantric initiated name that I received in 2015 in while I was in a, living in a tantra commune in Brazil. And it means to go with the flow of love and life. And so it's interesting because prior to going into Tantra, I've always had a, a wild spirit, a free spirit, but I was always very controlling. I had a lot of anxiety, like things had to be a certain way, had to be this way. But then after receiving my name, I'm like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to embody. This is what I'm supposed to be doing to go with it, with the flow of love and life. And so I've just ever since it's been like, yeah, this is me. I'm going with the flow. I'm not going to just try to control everything. I'm also a Virgo. So if people know about astrology and Virgo. Virgos are very detail oriented. Things have to be a certain way. Um, so my mother, my mother was a Virgo. Oh, so you understand that. <laughs> yes. She also loved to adorn and be beautiful. Yes. And mm -hmm. is that, are yes. you, is that something that you embody too? I do. I do. Um, but that really came of later, not when I was younger, because I had a lot of masculine energy. I didn't want to get dressed up. I didn't like dresses. I didn't love skirts, nothing. But Oshun, the, one of the Orishas, so I live in Brazil. And so we work a lot with the Orishas. So Oshun um, is also would be also be a Virgo. Her birthday is in September. So <laughs> she's one of the Orishas the, in in the condom lay religion here in Brazil, where she's about beauty, fertility, adornment. She always has a mirror in her hands so that she can also see herself, but also look at, look behind her and see her enemies that might be coming up to approach her. So she's very feminine, very sensual, but also very powerful. <laughs> yes, you know, so I think that Virgo energy. I think I have some Oshun energy. There's a friend of mine who practices Ifa, and mm -hmm. she kept saying, are you connected to Oshun? I see a lot of Oshun energy around you. Um, I think I may be connected to Yemeya mm -hmm. as um, one of the Orisha, but I also really sometimes really feel Oshun. And mm -hmm. actually some friends and I did a, a ritual a few months ago and, um, and we made an offering of honey for Oshun because yes. I really am connected to the um, femininity. Well, my purpose is to help reestablish the divine feminine in the world. And because of that, I'm really interested in all the expressions of the feminine, mm -hmm. which is why I wanted to delve into Tantra. Tantra for me has been, um, it's always been kind of on the periphery, but something that I wouldn't really allow myself to experience. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't think I fully understand exactly what Tantra is, which a lot of people may not. Um, because I, as I mentioned to you, I studied feng shui and it was the black hat sect, tantric Buddhist type of feng shui. So mm -hmm. can you give us an overview of Tantra and how you, and how you see it. Yes. So I've studied Tantra from many different um, lineages, right? And um, the Tantra that I first began to study kind of um, really that I kind of connected to was interesting. So I'm going to kind of give you a little background. I was traveling for about a year um, just kind of 
doing my self journey, getting to know myself. And I started in India. And so when I was in India, I had met a guy who we ended up having a Tantra practice, but I didn't know much about it. He didn't really explain anything, but we were just kind of connecting, breathing together, looking into each other's eyes. We did not have penetrative sex or any type of sex. It was just breathing, looking into each other's eyes. And I had multiple orgasms and I was like, oh my God, what is this? Like what happened? You know? And then almost two years later, living in Brazil, I met a woman who studied in in Thailand, Tantra, and she wanted to come and teach Tantra at my studio where I had a studio in Salvador living there. And so I said, okay, yeah, you can come and, you know, do the six week workshop. So she was doing the six week workshop and it was a lot of Tantra yoga where we were doing these different movements. And still, I didn't really get a definition. I'm like, well, this feels good to my body. I'm enjoying what I'm feeling. What and type so, of studio, excuse me, what type of studio did you have in Salvador? What were you oh, doing okay. there? Yeah. So when I moved to, to, to Salvador, I opened up a studio where I was doing Reiki, um, shamanic work. So this is all that I was doing before. I, I was a, I am a psychotherapist. My background in the States is in, I got a master's in psychology. And so when I opened up my place, I called it a studio because there was dance there as well. We would do Afro-Brazilian dance, some of everything. We did rituals, um, women's circles there, um, so many different things. So it was just a healing space, honestly, where some people could come and receive. And it was really for the community. I lived in one of the communities in, um, in Salvador. So a lot of the times the people didn't have a lot of money, so they would just come in and, and receive, you know, donation base. If they can afford anything, they didn't have money. They could donate candles, fruits or whatever. And we would eat together. So it was a beautiful space. So she came there and she offered the six weeks Tantra course. And so, you know, she did a lot of the Tantra yoga. And so that was amazing. And so, you know, and then she left and she wasn't living here. So I was like, you know, I really want to study Tantra more. And so um, I did go and live in a Tantra commune, which was more Neo-Tantra, but Osho. So I have many different lineages. I've also gone to India and studied more. I've gone to Thailand and I've studied Tantra even more. And I've gone to Bali. So um, Tantra, to answer your question, means expansion. Tantra is all about expanding our awareness, expanding our consciousness, expanding our ability for love, for intimacy, for connection. There's several different meanings of Tantra. So you can look different places and you'll see different meanings. It also means to weave, a loom, weave of connections. Everything is connected. And so that's a little bit of what Tantra is. But Tantra is a science, you know, so it's it was developed in the East. Um, predominantly from India, it's just been a lot of the approach that I've learned, but again, there's a lot of Tantra in, in Thailand, in Bali as well, because I've studied in both Mm -hmm. of those places in Tibet, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and it's interesting because I know the Tibetan Buddhism, you know, they, they connect with the different elements and I actually practice Buddhism. I have at one point practiced, um, Tibetan Buddhism. And so this is when I was living in the U.S. and we never talked about Tantra. So there was never that connection. 
And currently I live in a Zen Japanese Buddhist temple in Brazil, in Rio de Janeiro. And so, you know, since I've been living here and I've been working with Tantra, one of the interviews I had with the monk, he asked me, what do I do? And I said, oh, I'm a Tantra therapist. And he was like, oh, that's really cool. You know, um, you could work here. We, you know, we have a lot of people who come here for healing. So you can definitely work with that. And I'm like, oh, that's great. You know, and so since being here is when I've actually started learning that there has been a Tantra in the Buddhist, you know, um, connected to, to Buddhism. So it just it just all makes sense. And that's why he was so open to me coming here and being here in, in this space. Okay. So you're saying Tantra literally means expansion. And so how do we see that in practices? How do we see that in sexual practices, in spiritual practices? How do we see it? Yeah. So first we, ha- we use the tantric practices to help us to be able to see that. And that's through breath work, meditation, or in tantric massage, so that you can become more present, you can become more focused and conscious of what is happening in and around you. And so then you allow that expansion to come in. You allow yourself to surrender, to become vulnerable, which is very difficult for people. Yes. <laughs> very difficult to let go. It's scary. What will happen if I let myself go? And so once you learn to let go and you surrender, that expansion happens where you can see different things. You could see the colors throughout the world. Um, I remember one of the first times, again, you know, being me being the Virgo and controlling, you know, I, I had to know what was happening, what was going on. And doing this breath work can be scary because you're letting go of that control. And your body experiences different things that you're not used to. And so I remember seeing colors, like almost as if I had never done drugs before, but I said, this is what it would be like to be on ecstasy, I guess, or LSD, you know, it was like to see all of the different colors around you and in 3D. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Expansion to also be able to enjoy the food when you're eating, to taste every taste of it, to be able to be orgasmic in every sense. And not just orgasmic through having sex, but orgasmic in feeling that pleasure in your body from the wind blowing, from a conversation that you're having, from an amazing meal that you're having, that you're eating, or just, you know, or even in the sexual experience, when you're able to just feel pleasure from your arms being touched, your face being touched, your hands being touched, you know, and it's just expanding our awareness, expanding what we could feel. And so it's just, it's a beautiful experience. Wow. Wow. You know, you're very interesting. It seems that you have experienced a broad spectrum of Africans in the diaspora. I took a class in college called Africans in the Diaspora, and it looked at Africans in Latin America, Africans in in, um, Central America, South America, and other parts of the world. And you being a patient descent, and I, have you also lived in the New York area, New York City? Yes, yeah, so I was born in New York. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I can kind of hear New it York. a little bit. And oh, okay. so now you're in Brazil, which yes. is another experience of Africans in the diaspora. Mm-hmm. How do and you? And I've also I spent three months in Colombia, which has a lot of. Afro-Colombians. So, yes. <laughs> yes. So how do you bring 
those experiences because they're all slightly different. Like how Africans experience the world are all slightly different depending on where we landed, whether we're still in Africa or in in the Southern United States or the Northern United States or in Central America, South America. I think each, each community has had a different orientation to themselves. What would you say is your, how does, how do those various orientations come to converge in the practice of Tantra? That's a hard question, I know. I guess we still yeah. break it down. Let me break it down. Um, ha- as a woman of color, mm-hmm. how did you receive the tantric practices? Was there any difference in how you received them? Yeah. Did you have any blockages so based on your experiences as um, a woman of color? Yeah, so that's really interesting. You know, um, when I started learning about Tantra, yeah, there was a lot of things that came to me because I'm like, this is an Eastern philosophy, right? This is an Eastern way of life, Eastern way of healing. And I'm not Asian, you know, Um, and I was, a lot of things that would come to me would be appropriation. I didn't want to appropriate another culture you know? Um, And so I actually kind of went on a quest to learn about um, African roots and, and Tantra, right? If there was any. And so one of the things that I learned, obviously Tantra is a, is a Sanskrit name, right? And so when I went to look into what my lineage, what my background people were doing, it was very similar. So if you go in and you look, when you look at the work that I was learning with Tantra, there's a lot of hip movements, hip movements to really um, work with our sacral chakra, the sacral energy, our Kundalini energy. And as those, those are the Sanskrit terms, right? Kundalini energy simply means vital life force energy. But then when you look at you know, within South America, the Latino cultures, Haiti, Africa, there's a lot of hip movement. We're constantly working with that energy. So there's a so there's a lot of similarities, but obviously different names. So it was a lot of similar things that we were doing to work with that energy, to awaken our energy, right? But had different names. So as I began to study and look into that, because now even before Tantra, you know, I'm, I've been to Haiti and I've been to Haiti specifically to learn more about the voodoo culture, the that the, the Haitian culture, you know, um, because now let me ask you, know, you growing up, let me ask you. Maybe you're going to go into it. You said you were raised Christian. Was there yeah. ever any contra- contradiction? Yeah, between and that's exactly Haitian what I was about voodoo. to go mm-hmm. into, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's what I was going to go into because growing up in the U.S., especially as a Christian, you hear, "Oh, this is evil. That's wrong." You know, and I really, really thought, oh yeah, you know, I don't, I don't want to understand that. I don't want anything to do with that. You know, um, we grew up Catholic and, but it was interesting because I would, I remember, and I didn't know this, but my mom would play voodoo music, but it was just ingrained in our culture, but she never talked about it. 
And so, and I knew, and then she had an ancestor altar. Again, I didn't know what that was, never talked about it. And so it wasn't until, but we grew up very Catholic, very Christian, you know, all of this guilt. And in my mind, just hearing, growing in the U.S., oh, it's evil, it's horrible. But it wasn't until I went to Brazil, pre-Tantra, and I started learning about the Afro-diaspora, right? The Afro-Brazilian culture, Condomle. I was like, wait a minute, there's nothing evil about this. It's a connecting to spirit. It's connecting to, to the elements, to nature. And that's when I, in 2014, because I, I moved to Brazil in 2011, 2014, I went to Haiti specifically to learn. And I realized the whole background of um, how powerful. So, you know, you work with a lot of the, the feminine energy. So one of the things that I learned, you know, Haiti was the first to gain its independence in 1804. And it was a woman who led that, Cecilia Fatima, who she actually held a voodoo ceremony, right, to empower the people, to empower them to go at war against France, this huge country, and we won. And so because of that, because of how powerful it was, they began to say, oh, voodoo is evil. They instilled so much fear, so we cannot connect to our power. But when you look at Tantra, Tantra is a matriarchal system. You know, when you look at these different cultures, these energies, it's women who are leading this, this, this fight, right? This resistance. And so it is a fight. It is a resistance to this patriarchal society that we're living in, you know, that that is just harming women, that's saying women are objects. We're, and, you know, and, and it's this society that lends women to being raped. One, you know, one out of three women have been raped. It's just, or one out of nine. It's like crazy and, numbers. And it's not to even mention um, girls who have been touched or looked at in ways that were inappropriate for girls by men in their relationships, in their, in their families. It's a patriarchal society that, really seeks to um, decimate the culture and the people by harming the women. I mean, we see that like in, in, um, in the Congo, when they were at war, a lot of their war efforts were against women. And that was the most, it was so shocking. It was egregious to so many people. And when you, and when women are out of balance, then the whole community might be out of balance, which is not to say that men don't have a very crucial role to play in communities. And women have a, a, a really integral role in communities most of the times. Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. You know, so, you know, so that's, that's been my work. So with Tantra, you know, I had to really connect to my roots and say, okay, how do I work with this? And so a lot of my work is a mixture of all of these different things that I am and that I've experienced. So on my work, I'm doing, you know, I'm bringing in the African culture, you know, the African heritage in the movements that we're doing, in the breathing techniques that we're doing. And so I am bringing me into it. So my practice wouldn't look like someone who's from India who practices Tantra or a white woman or a white man who practices Tantra, right? It's, it is it is going to be unique to all of the different things that I've learned and I've studied and from where I've been. 
And I think that's wonderful that you were able to integrate yourself because I think sometimes when, when maybe this didn't happen for you, but you go and I've gone and I've learned from teachers who are teaching from their perspective. And sometimes their perspective doesn't really consider my experiences right. as a as an African American woman, and it, which is not to say that it's bad, but I I also feel that we really need people who have an understanding of um, Africans in the diaspora, African American or Haitian, and we we need to have those experiences in order to really bring full healing. Yeah. To and like. And with my work, because because of that, you know, our bodies have cellular memory. So it holds onto the traumas. It holds onto the blockages that are not only ours, but can be our parents, our grandparents, our ancestors. And become, because we come from this lineage of generational trauma, being abused, being raped, you know, being being beaten, sold away, being sold away, you know. Um, so our bodies have traumas that's different from someone else who did it, who their lineage, their family never experienced that. So a lot of my work is going to be more intense in releasing those traumas, releasing that pain that we're holding on so that we can now have more pleasure in our lives, more pleasure in every sense, be orgasmic in every sense. And again, when I say that, it's not just about sex and Tantra. When people hear Tantra, they think automatically tantric sex, right? And that's 5%. That's 5% of what Tantra is. And so a lot of times people will come to me and they're thinking they're getting one thing and they get something even better than they would even imagine because we're going deep. We're going deep into the healing work. We're going deep into the journeying work, you know? And they're like, oh, you know, I just thought we were going to, I was going to learn some tantric sex position. No, <laughs> that comes later down the road, way later down the road. Let's get the basics first. Let's heal you. Let's release these traumas that's in your body that's stored. That yes, doesn't need to be there anymore. With that trauma, that's and you know, I, I found in my life with the trauma, it communicates. It it, it manifests in the sexual experience. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, it does. <clears throat> Excuse me. Mm -hmm. And so, if you don't heal it, then it becomes an issue. So, I'm really looking forward to your to your class, and I know we're going to get into. Um, all of your offerings a little bit later on. You mentioned ancestral trauma. I wanted to ask you, and I know that you um, talked about religion and the role that it had somewhat in your life, but I'd love to hear how you think your experience learning and teaching, not just Tantra, but also Reiki and all the different healing modalities that you embody, how do you think that has impacted your family, both living and and those who have passed on. Oh yeah, that's that's a great question. So <laughs> my family, I was considered the black sheep of the family, right? When I started all of this, when I was in the U.S. with just my regular psychotherapy practice, I was great. But then I started doing all of this, and they're like, "She's crazy. Reiki doesn't exist. You know, that's not true." Like there was all of these preconceived notion about energy work, about healing work. And, and then when I started working with Tantra, this big old taboo, she's talking about sexuality. And, you know, so it was just, oh my God, the shame. But I continued, I continued 
you know, I've heard so many different things, like my family thinking I was crazy, what's wrong with me? And just, you know, and now many of them are actually taking my classes. Wow. Many of them are like, can you do Reiki on me? I will have a friend that needs Reiki. So they've opened up and expanded that expansion, right? Expanded their belief system, their knowledge system, and they see that it works, you know? So it's been beautiful that I feel like for me, living my truth, doing this work and not giving up no matter what I was hearing has actually helped them to now begin to do the work that they need to heal themselves, you know? And I honestly believe that my ancestors are looking down and they're happy and it's healing them too. When you heal yourself, you heal the past and you heal the past generation as well as the future generation. Yes. Yes. So I know that the healing work that I'm doing is seven generations in front and seven generations behind me. Mm-hmm. You know, I really wonder, I, I heard you say that you are familiar with Dr. Ruth in one of your <laughs> videos. So I think we probably I grew are, up to Dr. Ruth. <laughs> yes. I think we probably kind of grew up around the same time. Um, I'm 54, so I finished high school in 84, 1984. Okay. So I wonder, to me, it was such a heavy lift, which I'm still processing through, to embrace these healing modalities and share it with family and really live in my truth because, you know, I'm thinking that I don't really want to talk too much about exactly what I believe because maybe they'll think it's voodoo, voodoo, and maybe it is some somewhat voodoo, related to voodoo, even though I have never studied it. But how have you dealt with the, um, I guess, the re- resistance and, or backlash that you got from people who would have preferred you to stay in a very traditional role? Yeah, so what I had to realize is that what's making them uncomfortable had nothing to do with me. They were uncomfortable with what I was doing because of their blockages, because of their fears. And so I could not allow their fears, their blockages to stop me from doing my journey, my healing journey, you know? And and, and in a sense, I learned that even just from leaving, living the U.S., you know, when I left the U.S., I was older. Um, I had left before I moved to Brazil. I left at 35. And so how many 35-year-olds will close down their practice, sell their home, you know, leave their home and then just backpack throughout the world? (laughs) And people were like, no, you can't do that by yourself as a woman. This could happen. That could happen. And I had to get to the point where I was like, these are their fears. I'm, I'm protected. This is what I want to do. This is my path right now. And I'm so glad I did it, you know? And so for me, that was probably what helped make this transition easier. Because then when I started working with Tantra and all of this shamanism and this Reiki, you know, my family didn't understand that. So that was just another thing. But the fact that we already crossed the barrier of me leaving the U.S., and doing something so crazy as backpacking by myself <laughs> around the world that I honestly think that that helped, you know, um, it helped a little, 
this was even more difficult because with the tantras breaking a lot of taboos with sexuality and i made it a point to openly talk about sex and sexuality consistently i made it a point on my youtube channel every wednesday i'm doing lives and i'm talking about it every tuesday and i knew that people would be uncomfortable but i said you know what um if if we don't do this we're still going to continue to have the blockages we're going to continue to have horrible sex women faking orgasms women not getting their needs met and it, it's time to end and it, it starts from talking about it yes from talking about it i'll tell you faking orgasms Ugh. you know i've gotten to the point where it's like i don't even want to have sex because I, if it's not going to be good sex right <laughs> why bother? Just look at your toys masturbate and <laughs> do that Yes, yes. Actually, um, um, I was in a, a long-term relationship, and there was conflict, and, and it came out in, in in sexuality. And one time, he he realized I had been masturbating. He got so mad. He thought because he was he was thinking that maybe, you know, I was I was uh, I had all these uh, I was making excuses about not. Mm-hmm reasons not to have sex and it's so funny because my older cousin she's like in her 80s she said that um, one of the excuses she used to avoid having sex was to say oh I have really bad gas I think I better sleep in the other room (laughs) 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 so it's like it's come so it's generational it's not like it's something new right so when you talk about sex I know this wasn't on our list of questions but when you talk about sex and well, how did you get to the place where you felt comfortable talking about sex? And then the other thing is, what have you seen? How have you seen it impact people as you talk about sex? Because I appreciate it because I felt like I really couldn't like it was a secret that we're in a relationship. We're not supposed to talk about, you know, what's going on in the sexual relationship, but it was, it really needed some healing. And so that's yes. why I'm looking forward to, to, to stay studying with you and taking one of your classes just for my own personal gratification and edification. Sex, what do you think is one of the key things we need to, to, to realize about sex? Sex is natural. Sex is our birthright. Pleasure is our birthright. Sex could be ugly. It could be beautiful. It could be weird. It could be scary. It could be fun. It could be delicious. It could be any and everything. So do it and get out of your mind that it has to look a certain way. It has to be a certain way because every time it's going to be different. You know, the most important thing is exploring. Exploration of what feels good to you, what feels good to your partner, communicating, communicating what you like, being able to try different things. You know, sex is, sex is a lot. And we can't, we got to stop trying to say sex got to be a certain way. If you, speaking of gas, right, with your 80 year old cousin, if you're having sex and you fart, it's okay. It happens, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, it happens, you know. So that's what I say, you know, and it's, it's interesting because, um, Part of your question, what you were also asking is, you know, how it's affected people. And, and I realized that 
so many people have come to me and said, oh my God, I this was happening to me. And I, I thought I was broke. I thought something was wrong with me. I didn't know other women went through this too. And that's the power of talking about it so that people can know that there's nothing wrong with them, that other people are experiencing the same thing, that you too can begin to have better sex. You can have great sex with your partner. You can have mind-blowing sex. You don't have to fake it. You know, so it's through these conversations that people realize, oh, something can be done differently. Oh, I am okay. And, you know, I think, I'm sorry, excuse me for talking over you, but when you mentioned the patriarchy, I believe sometimes it was the patriarchal conditioning that we all went through, which made it so that women felt that they couldn't really discuss sex. I remember reading that there was a time when, when, when vibrators first gained popularity in the United States, women were going to their doctor saying, something's wrong. I, I need, you know, something's wrong with me mm-hmm. because their husbands were going to prostitutes and having sex, but they were not having sex with, with their wives. And right. so the women were frigid and they mm-hmm. need to experience some release. Yes. So I think, some of that shame has stuck with us. The shame of the, the puritanical shame of, you know, a woman's body is, is not, is no, it's not sacred or it's dirty. And, and I think we, we still are functioning under a lot of these social mores and, and feeling as if we can't fully enjoy sex. It's good that some women are, or that you have to enjoy it in the way that is depicted on television like you have to be slender you have to have long hair you have to relate relate to a man in a particular way all of that to me felt very confining and it made it really difficult for me to 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 talk about sex and when I asserted what I wanted my partner didn't receive it very well Right. So that's a whole, that's another conversation for a whole nother time. We got a long conversation about that, but um, is this something you talk about in some of the work that you do and some of the offerings that you, that you have sexuality? Yes. You talk about it? Mm -hmm. It is. It's important. It's important because both the men and women need to learn different things, right. And be able to talk about sex and understand what is the history and why they react the way that they do. You know, so a lot of times for men, it's also about teaching them how to satisfy the woman, teaching them how to listen to their woman, you know, or their partner, I should say, because, you know, um, I have um, different um, um, people who come to me who are, you know, homosexual or heterosexual. So I'll say their partner, Um, you know, so sometimes they have to learn how to please their partner. They have to learn how to listen. You know, so I talk about different things like consent, the importance of asking for consent first, because sometimes, you know, you think, oh, okay, well, we've had sex before. So um, if I want it again, she should be okay with it. She should be able to do it. But no, she may not want to, you know, um, for many different reasons. So I teach so many different aspects from how to be more, become more intimate, how to connect with your partner, how to talk to your partner, as well as different breathing techniques, looking into each other's eyes, you know, um, to, to really strengthen that connection. Then I teach them how to touch. I mean, I could go all the way to up to teaching tantric sex, 
right? So it depends on the couple. It depends. But majority of the women, for the couples that I've had, um, heterosexual couples, they have said, the women have said that they have not wanted to have sex with the man before. Uh, anymore because he only touches her just when he wants to have sex. He makes her feel like an object. He's not really pleasing her. He comes too quickly, you know? So after doing work with me, the woman then becomes, begins to say, you know what? I actually enjoy being with my partner now. He's touching me differently. He's touching me at different times. I don't feel like I'm just a sperm dump, you know, for him. Yes, you know, I so. have been there. I've experienced all of that. So would you say that's the the main issue between couples is not really communicating well with each other? That is a big reason. I get that a lot. I get that a lot. Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, and it's two part, it's twofold because the man needs to learn. He needs to learn how to satisfy her, but she also needs to learn how to satisfy herself, how to become orgasmic. So she has to also be able to not put that pressure on him and do the work on herself to be able to be orgasmic and not depend on someone else for her pleasure. It's her body. So learning to own her body, learning to own her her pleasure. And so that's a lot of the work as well that I do with women. Mm -hmm. Now, have you worked with men as well? Oh, yes. And how do men receive Tantra? So it's interesting. Um, in Brazil, it's a little different than the U.S., right? In Brazil, I tend to find a lot more men wanting to find Tantra, to learn about Tantra. To, they're starting to learn how or wanting this interest to learn how to please their woman. How they could, you know, even be better at, as a as a pleaser. Um in the U.S., it in this sense, has been a little bit slower, but it's starting to build up now. Whereas men, in my opinion, and I could be wrong, I don't know, you know, it'd be nice to hear. Um, I'm, I'm always trying to hear what men say, but from what I've seen, a lot of times there's an ego thing where it's hard for them to want to learn. They're like, oh, no, I know it all already. I, I you know, I got this. And so, and then you also have... <sighs> there's a little bit more shame and guilt, right? Which is interesting. So I would do, for example, I do tantric massage courses. I do tantric massage courses in Brazil. People come in right away. They're getting naked. They're like, okay, we're here to learn. I got to get naked. I'm doing this. Right. And then in the States, everyone is more apprehensive. Oh, I got to keep on my underwear. Let me wear a bathing suit to learn the tantric massage and these different things. And it's okay, but you see the difference. You know, you see that difference where like with the in, in Brazil, you have more men and women who are just, OK, let's let's go for it. Let's do it. I'm all in. I want to learn. Whereas in the U.S., you still have all of this. Um, it's hard to touch. We've been conditioned that you can't touch somebody. I mean, you know, in schools, teachers can't touch the kids. Therapists can't touch clients. It's all of these different things where it creates all of these blockages. Whereas in Brazil, you don't have that, right? So people are more open. And so because of that, I tend to have men come to me who already have issues like premature ejaculation, um, problems with an erection. They don't come to me beforehand. They don't come to me beforehand to learn, okay, how can I please my woman? They come, well, mm, I got an issue with myself, so I got to fix that. 
you know, it's more about them. Whereas in Brazil, I see people coming um, because they want to, they, they're wanting to learn to please their woman. You know? Really? So it's interesting. So you said you actually um, did a degree, did some degree work in Brazil or studies in Brazil. Did you speak yes. Portuguese before you went there? No, I did not. I was learning Portuguese while I was in this course. I did a postgraduate um, transpersonal psychology course. This was pre-Tantra. <laughs> I love this study. <laughs> I think I have an addiction to studying. So I did a two-year transpersonal psychology course, and I was learning Portuguese in the course. <laughs> really? That was my first year being in Brazil. So and what... What drew you to Brazil? I mean, once you took the course, what made you decide to stay in Brazil? Well, I stayed, well, the course just kind of came after I had already decided to stay. Oh. So, um, you know, so this was during my year of backpacking throughout South America. I was backpacking and um, when I got to Brazil, to Salvador specifically, I, I couldn't leave. The culture, the people, the people looked like me. I fit in. The people really truly wanted to get to know me. Whereas like, ah, you know, I was in these other countries. I was in the States. I didn't even know my neighbors, you know, um, you would say hi and bye. That's it. Maybe talk for five minutes, something very superficial or basic here. It was like, they really wanted to go get to know you. You know, when, when I traveled and I came back, they were like, oh, we missed you. Even at the grocery store, I would go back to the grocery store and they were like, oh, where have you been? And I'm like, in the U.S., that never happened. I traveled all the time. I came back. They, they, they didn't even know who I was. And so it was just, it felt more like a community. I felt like I met my tribe. And just the beauty of being able to be in nature, by the beach, the food, to have the African rhythms, it just really spoke to me. And Salvador is such a magical place, a healing place. So many synchronicities would happen. People would sometimes come up to me and just say something. I feel this about you, like give me like an intuitive reading, like something real quick. And it's like, wow, that made sense. And then it would happen. So it was just so weird how these things would happen to really help you to grow. You know, and I was just like, yeah, this is, this is my place. So much so that I wanted to start bringing people there. And I started bringing women of color because to, to Bahia, um, Salvador, every year, you know, so I do a retreat for women of color. And I was like, women have to experience this. This is a magical place to do the healing work. You know, like it has to be done. And this is like, you know, I could do retreats in Thailand, Bali, Mexico, but I'm like, that energy is not the same. It's not the same like Salvador. And Salvador, you know, it has the second largest African population or black population outside of Nigeria, you know? And so when you go there, you really get that feel, that culture, like you're going home, you know? Wow. Or you are home. And I felt more at home there than I did in the U.S. Wow. That's wonderful that you and found it, your tribe. Yes. And it made me want to go even deeper to my Haitian roots. Because being in the States, I didn't, I wasn't connected to my Haitian roots. Wasn't, mm -hmm. It was after I moved to Brazil. Wow, that is wonderful. So tell us some of the things that you offer, some of the courses, and I know you have some things coming up. 
tell us about what you have, what, what your offerings are. Yes. So I have many different things. Um, I have, I do individual sessions, first and foremost. Um, uh, virtually, everything is virtual right now. So I do sessions virtually of um, tantric therapy, which comprises of talk therapy, movement, breath work, um, just really helping you to release those blockages that's in there. Um, then for this month, next Monday, I actually have my Yoni massage course that's coming up. And that is for women wanting to learn to do on themselves. And it really is a great place for women to learn the foundations of breathing, how to have orgasms just through breath work, how to touch yourselves, how to connect to yourselves and have a whole different relationship with your yoni. It's also for men who want to learn to be able to do it on their woman, right? And so this is interesting. This will be my second time teaching this course virtually. I've taught it several times in person, but the last time and this time, I have majority, this time I, I don't have any men yet who signed up, just women. Last time I had three men who signed up, 20 women. So it's like, so, you know, this is the thing. It's like, men, where are you? Why are you not showing up to learn this work, to please your woman? Why is it that just women are, are signing up to learn this, to do it on themselves, you know? to better themselves. It's like, I'm, we, we, we need you, men. There's stuff out there for you. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm calling for the men to come on and join. So I have that. And that's a four week course. Um, I teach clitoral mapping, oming, vaginal mapping. So it's going to go deep for women who have blockages with um, vaginal orgasms, you know, teach you how to do the vaginal mapping to see what's, what's in there. Our uh, vagina is like a reflexology. It has the different emotions. So you can, you know, unblock those things with the vaginal mapping. Then in April, I have the second week of April, erotic adventures into self-pleasure. And that's for men and women to really learn how to self-pleasure themselves, self-explore different masturbation techniques. And I don't like to say masturbation, but self-pleasing techniques to really get that energy to move up, to awaken that energy. And that's, that's a month as well. So those are my two major things that I have coming up. And then always I have Patreon, which is a membership based as low as $5 a month where you're getting just great information. I'm giving you material on Tantra, talking to you about Tantra. Every Sunday I have self-exploration Sundays where I give you little tips on self-exploration. Every Mondays is Monday meditation. Tuesdays is Tantra Tuesdays. So there's just really great stuff on Patreon. And that's Prandara Prim. So everything really is Prandara Prim. So if you want to find me on um, Patreon, it's Prandara Prim, P-R-A-N-D-H-A-R-A-P-R-E-M. That's also my website, www.prandaraprim.com. My Instagram is Prandara Prim underscore Tantra. So you'll find me with that YouTube. I have tons of great information on YouTube, lots of videos, and I have lives. So you can join me on YouTube as well. It's Prandara Prim. So... That's um, a lot of the stuff that I have up right now. Oh, also, I do have a store on my website where I have a book on healing um, your sexual energy through breast massage and um, ovarian massage. So that's a book that I have on there. And I have meditation. I think I have one or two. I'm putting out more and more meditations. So um, I have meditations for people to do if they want to just kind of do self on their own at any time that they want to. So 
those are those are the things that I have right wow, now. Wow, all of those sounds so juicy and yes. so necessary. Yeah, I'll be sure. And it and will share. help you be juicy. <laughs> yes, exactly, literally. So I'm going to make sure I share that. And yeah, and I do want to say something on that topic of being juicy, right? Um, really quick. So a lot of times, you know, you said you're 54. Um, I'm 46. So, but um, a lot of times I do get a lot of women who come to me who they're like, oh yeah, I'm older. Um, I have, I'm very dry. I don't have a, I have a hard time getting um, moist, juicy. And so they think, oh yeah, it's just the age menopause. It just doesn't happen. No, you can be 80 years old and be juicy. Okay. There's, there's a lot of work that I do with that. I teach, um, in the Yoni massage course, you know, you'll learn to massage yourself. That's going to help. I do Yoni breathing as well. The Yoni breathing helps with keeping you moist. And the Yoni breathing also helps for you to have orgasmic, um, orgasms, vaginal orgasms. So these are things that as we get older for women that we need to do so that we can stay moist so that we can still have a lot of pleasure because there is no reason for you to be dry and age is not an excuse. Yes. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you You're so welcome. much. Yes. Thank you so much. This has been um, a great, a great interview. I mean, there's so many other areas that I would love to go into and so I would love to maybe have you back because I there's when you're talking about the body and sex and spirituality, there's so much that can be said, and we really just kind of scratch the surface here. Right. So, um, but I think people got some good information too. Thank you so much for yes, yes. for coming on the podcast. I'm just going to stop the recording right now. Oh, well, let me say real quick, you know, thank you so much for having me. It was a joy of being here and I appreciate you just thinking of me and, and having me as part of your podcast. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for listening to Center Her Power podcast or in the center of her power podcast. If you would like to get in touch with me, please email me at sana at centerherpower.com or at my website, centerherpower.com. Until we meet again, ignite your genius and shine.